Welcome to the Heart and Home Podcast. We're your hosts, Shannon, Ashley, and Jessica. We want to normalize mental health and show how it can affect all the different pieces of our lives and provide some solidarity and community. Thanks so much for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to another episode of the Heart and Home Podcast. I'm Ashley, and I'm here with Shannon and Jessica. I was not here last week. I can't remember. Oh, I was sick. Oh, yes. How can I forget that? Um, Today, we're going to talk about red flags, um, how you can identify them, what you should do about them, um, and really just like red flags in everything, in relationships, in your job, in yourself, in your mental health. And I don't know what, what you do when you are, when you're seeing them. I think for me, a red flag that I even saw in myself today, and I see them frequently, unfortunately, within myself, <laughs> I, I guess I think it's good that we're noticing them, right? Versus, versus completely, um, looking past them. But like one that I saw in myself today in that I know that I'm just, my to-do list is getting too long. I'm starting to get overwhelmed is when Mm -hmm. I'm just like, basically just like paralyzed when like, with like not doing your to-do list. Like when there's just so many things on it that you just look at it and like, you know, that when you look at it, we're like, okay, that thing will take me two minutes so it's not even like, oh, these will take months. So I don't want to do them. No, it's like small tasks between like personal and professional environment. And you just don't know where to even start. And I saw that in myself today. Um, and then I just, you know, get, get super down, don't know where to go. I just feel, you know, like I'm overflowing and I, that it's not going to get um, any easier. And then, you know, you go into your pity party for a little while of, you know, like, why is all of this on me? And then like earlier, it was funny because I knew I was being tested universe, whoever it was, I knew mm-hmm. I was being tested. I'm like, I just, I just can't take one more thing on my list today. And then this randomly, this person who we had sold um, our old fishing boat to, it was probably three years ago at this point, you guys, had then like this random person had reached out on Facebook and was like, oh, did you sell this boat? You know, whatever. Like, and like had questions about like the titling of the boat and like long story short we need to go get a new title for the boat like yes like three years later like we're revisiting this so i i told you so weird i asked for just like nothing more to add to our plate today and now we get this (laughs) random that that is gonna you know take some work take some phone calls you know just like silly little things like that but so i noticed a red flag earlier in the day where i just like looked at this list and i just you just stare at it and you don't know where to start and i think that is a really big one for me that i know that i'm gonna start to go into a dark place um not like you know, anything scary or harmful to myself, but just like a a place where I just can't move forward and get that momentum for a couple of days until I just start, I guess. But like, that's a big red flag for me. Um, Yeah, I feel like I say the same thing. The more I have to do on my list, the less I want to do it. Because it just seems like so 
overwhelming. I get that way. I mean, right now I like have this up and I'm talking to you guys and on my computer screen, I have all my grad school stuff up that I'm like trying to chip Mm -hmm. away at. And now we're trying to register for like our summer classes because I have to do clinical this summer. And so I have to find um, a preceptor. And then I went to um, like a, oh, what's it called? Like information uh, meeting thing for the clinicals this summer and found out that I actually need two preceptors. And I now I'm just like, I don't even want to graduate. I don't even care. I don't need this degree. <laughs> but, and like, no, this is my last class. Obviously, I'm going to finish it. But I just feel like I want to throw my hands up and be like, nope, I'm done. Because oh. it's just there's just like so much stuff stacked up to figure out. And I hate that. Mm -hmm. And I think where it's like the most, like, I guess, hurtful, like to me is because it's like everything on that list. It's, it's things I really do want to do. You know, it's nothing. I mean, maybe not the boat thing, but like (laughs) everything else that was on there, like, it's really great stuff. Like next week, crossing our fingers, if everything goes right, we're closing on our house. This is the first house we've been renting since we've been together. So this is our first home, you know, a lot of wedding stuff since that's coming up in the fall. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all the stuff that just with, um, my job and to-do list for that. And then it's like all the extracurriculars that Tanner and I both do. So it's all stuff we really, really enjoy. And I think that's what sucks the most is I just end up not enjoying it and not liking it. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is like, I take, I take this stuff on myself. It's not like people are like, you need to do all yes. of these things like I it's and I think that's where like I battle with myself. It's because I love taking on new things. I love learning things. I love doing new things. But then I come to that point where I'm just stuck and I look at it and I'm like, I just can't. I'm thrown in the towel mm-hmm. and I don't know how to get that healthy balance. Yeah, I'm a classic overcommitter as well. Yes. <laughs> so I just like I have a hard time saying no to things. And it's not even because I like don't have a backbone it's great I mean it is a little bit but it's because I like want to do them and then I just don't like calculate how many things I've taken on until (laughs) it's too late and then I'm like well this was a bad idea I know I don't I don't really look at okay how much time is this going to take out of my schedule how much time do I really have you know left to give when really it's like you're in the negatives like you don't have time like you are negative time (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking as you guys are talking about that, I think we we oftentimes overlook the red flags. We just sort of bypass them. We we know that this is not good. We're in a bad situation, whether it be at work or in a relationship or like you guys are just talking about like too much on your plate, over committing. But we, we kind of overlook the red flags. And then what happens is they just start to kind of, I don't know, grow or like snowball effect. And then they spill into other parts of our lives. So then we, we just feel extremely overwhelmed and so bad for our mental health. And so I think when we recognize the red flags and instead of just sort of accepting them, we almost have to take a step back and just be like, okay, red flag, that means pause and reevaluate what I'm doing here. I feel like a red flag for me is when I get really tired in the sense that like I just like want to sleep I don't want to get up I don't want to get out of bed like I'm a morning person I grew up in a dairy farm I love to get up in the mornings and when I start like 
putting my kids on the bus and then going back to sleep Mm -hmm. and like giving my toddler my phone to watch something stupid on YouTube for an hour or like I just want to like lay on the couch while he watches a movie like that's a red flag for me that I've taken on too much like the less I do the more I know I have to do and I'm like struggling with doing it um so like feeling really tired and low energy is a red flag that I like have really taken on too much definitely yeah I think about when I was in a job that was really hard for me and it was um it was a place I knew that I I needed to move away from but I didn't know how and my red flag was Sunday nights like the Sunday scary I remember feeling so much anxiety going into Monday and just thinking to myself I, you know, and I couldn't sleep and, and you mm-hmm. know, up on Monday, just like knowing what you all had in front of you. And like, since I have gotten into my new job, I haven't felt that anymore. It's so nice, you know, getting away from that. I mean, everybody hates it when the weekend ends, obviously, um, mm-hmm. but it's just not the same. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was at a, when I left my job in labor and delivery and I loved it. I loved labor and delivery. And so it was, I knew it was going to be a hard transition for me to leave. Um, I just didn't expect how hard it was. And I remember that just like dreading that I had to go to work the next day because I just did not, I wasn't happy there. And like every day I would come home and like, think about ways that we could financially make it work (laughs) if I left. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, this, I don't know, like, this is not going well mental health wise. It's interesting to hear you guys talking about that because like, I completely understand and relate to the Sunday scaries and more like every weekday, (laughs) but then Mm -hmm. scaries, but like, even when it comes to like Fridays, like, honestly, I hate the weekends because I know I'm not going to enjoy them. And for me, it's not because I don't enjoy my job. Like when I take a step back, I I love my job. I love who I work for. I really believe in the company, everything we do. They treat us so, so well. What my issue is, is why I get those scaries and throughout the week just am constantly anxious is because it's like a lack of professional confidence for me, which I never Mm -hmm. really experienced before. Going through like I was decent in, in college, like when it came to like school assignments and then like going into the workforce after that, like I had never really, um, there were just, I guess, different settings that didn't really challenge maybe my, my confidence in the fact of, can I do this? But once I entered a field of like what I went to school for and they really like looked upon me to be like, okay, well, you're the expert in this field. So we're looking to you for those, you know, answers, basically. Mm-hmm. I, it was so difficult. And it still is, you know, like I'm almost three years into the job I'm at now. And I feel like I'm just starting to get more comfortable with that type of thing. So it's not even, so like for me, I think is, and I've done a lot of confidence work when it comes to just like listening to um, podcasts from like confidence coaches and, and things like that, because it, it really is like a, I, I enjoy where I'm at. I love where I'm at, but it's just like, you just don't believe in yourself. It's more of like a, what do they call it? It's like something fraud. I don't know. I can't remember, but you basically Mm -hmm. feel like a fraud in your career. And it just sucks because like, I, 
I know that I'm not, but like what has trained my brain to think that I am and then to make me so intimidated when I go into a space that I, you know, I worked for and I earned, it's not like they just like, you know, were like, oh, here you go. (laughs) Gave me Mm -hmm. like, you know, this position that I wasn't qualified for, but it's just so like, I don't know, for me, like, that's where it's at is like, I do really love my job, but you know, I've, it's hard to it's hard to get over that. Am I good enough for what they need me to be? Mm -hmm. I remember the first, (laughs) the first code I ran as a nurse. Um, Mm. (laughs) They, you know, my, my patient um, like went into cardiac arrest and we called a code. And when you call a code at the hospital, there's like a response team. So a million people show up like, the house supervisor and, and the ED or the um, ICU docs and the ICU RN, there's like a million people in the room. And I remember they, them saying with all of us in the room, like, who's responsible for this patient? And I said, it's me. And then they started asking me questions. And I'm like, are you talking to me? Like, I'm no, I'm not. I'm not responsible. <laughs> like, this is, this is the first code I've ever been in. Don't ask mm-hmm. me questions. But I'm like, okay, like this is, I, I know this information. Like I, I, yeah. I, maybe I've never been in this particular situation, but like, I know this patient, I know the questions that they're going to ask and what they need and what's important. And I mean, maybe that's not getting a little away from red flags, but that just like made me remember the first code I was in, like, oh my God, you can't possibly be looking to me to guide this because I'm just a baby nurse. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of my first child when I left the hospital. I remember (laughs) I was young. I was 22, 21 years old. And I remember like buckling the baby into the car seat and then looking at the nurse like, what do I do? Like, I just leave you now. And like, I'm just, this is, we just go, we just go home. <laughs> and I just remember thinking like, okay, like there's no manual. There's like nothing. Oh my gosh. But I guess that's a great segue into red flags and parenting or red flags we see in our kids. For me, I've seen my kids kind of in all stages, right? So I've seen mm-hmm. them grow up. I've seen them in their teenage years, um, which are the hardest, I would say. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Having a newborn baby was hard. Having a toddler was really hard. Having a teenager was, that was really hard. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Amelia definitely struggles a lot with anxiety. And I think like there are, there is a level of anxiety in kids that like is normal um, and like, okay to just kind of let them work through it. But I feel like in her as a run flag, I was starting to see her, not enjoy things that she had previously enjoyed because of anxiety. Like she's always been a really good student and always been very social. And so she's, she's always really liked school. And then for a little bit, she started like, yeah, I have a stomach ache. I don't want to go today. Just like all of these symptoms, like try. And I think they were real physical symptoms for her. I think like her anxiety manifested as like, nausea and just like feeling really unwell like she would go she always was a kid that would like be totally fine to go to sleepovers and like she was she didn't have 
I mean, she always was um, like healthy attached to me, I would say, but like she was always game for a social get together and would sleep over. And then all of a sudden she didn't want to sleep over as much or she would call me from sleepovers and wanted me to come get her, which was new. And so I was like, okay, I feel like now the anxiety is starting to disrupt things that you normally enjoy. And so we need to figure something out. And I was you know, the, the mental health market is not great right now as far as providers. And we were on a wait list for a while. We're supposed to see a provider. And then they called like two weeks before her appointment after she'd been on the wait list for like four months maybe and said, oh, that provider left. So mm-hmm. now you're just back to square one. <laughs> so now, now we've made an appointment with a different one. But today... <laughs> She wouldn't be mad if I I said this, but today she came up to me and she said, mom, when is um, my first therapy lesson? And I'm like, therapy lesson? She's like, yeah, with uh, my my therapy instructor. Oh my gosh, she's so cute. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's not. She like correlates it to like a riding lesson, (laughs) which like, I hope she does go and like learn strategies. And I think to her, that's what it is, is like, she's going to go and she's going to learn tools um, but it just was like a funny way to put it like it's some sort of classroom setting almost. That's so, so cute. I think our, our daughters are definitely like separated at birth by one year. Yes. Um, yes. All the things you said, I, I we can relate to. And when we first mm-hmm. moved to a new school, things were pretty hard for us. And we, you know, the red flags that I would see is, is that she would just kind of get a little bit more quiet and just mm-hmm. would be more withdrawn. And I, I could just tell, you know, and I think some, all kids handle anxiety and their emotions differently. Some kind of shut down where others, you know, might kind of act out, right. You know, in school and things like that. And, but we were starting to notice just a little bit more. I was noticing that she was just getting a little bit more quiet. And, and so I, what we did was we also, we reached out to the school. I think there's a lot of really great opportunity to, you know, utilize the, the resources that they have, whether it's like the school counselor, um, teachers, anyone that's mm-hmm. just really, you know, kind of experienced, but also is willing to just sit down and chat with them, mm-hmm. you know, being gone all day in school is a long time for them to try to, and then they're kind of in their own head too. And they don't have us there because we're also very close. And, mm-hmm. you know, mom's not right there to just kind of calm the waters. So it's just nice that they know they have a support system there. But yeah, yeah. last year, um, Amelia had started meeting with the guidance counselor, not for this, but because she just had a trio of friends that just <laughs> needed to figure out how to coexist with each other a little better. And um, she like really helped her. And then when I was talking to you, Shannon, the other day about this, you had mentioned like, why don't you ask, you know, if she could meet with the guidance counselor. And she was really excited about that. And I think um, it's, a, you know, school is one of the places where she's having anxiety. And so to like establish a relationship with the guidance counselor there so that she feels like there is somebody on site that she knows and is a resource to her, I think has been really helpful, actually. So that's a good idea. My other kid was like, I swear nothing bothers that kid. Like (laughs) he was like getting picked on on the bus. And I kept asking, like, do you want me to do something about it? And he kept being like, no, it's fine. (laughs) 
is it fine? I don't know. Like, and I'm like looking for red flags in this kid. Like, is he acting differently? Does he seem like he doesn't want to get on the bus? And it's really just Amelia that's reporting that these things are happening on the bus. And mm-hmm. he's just like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> so, He's just her, the protective older sister. I guess. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's, I don't know. There's a lot of things I think that we can, we, we have to be definitely like receptive and paying attention to some of the red flags that can come up in our kids. But at the same time, you know, we, they're growing and they're changing and we just have to sort of also allow that to happen. But it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sometimes too, I feel like we, we see red flags and maybe not our so much our kids or maybe our kids, maybe older kids, this would apply to more where like we see them as red flags and maybe they don't, or maybe they do, but they're like not ready to, I don't know, see them as red flags themselves or something. Right. right. Like maybe you see them as red flags because maybe you lived through that and you're like, Oh gosh, I don't want them to. Yeah. yeah. Like you already identify them as that, but yeah, maybe they don't, Maybe like Lucas is like, yeah, this is no big deal. But mm-hmm. then, yeah. I feel like that point. might happen with like watching other people's relationships a little bit and like seeing things as red flags and maybe people being a little turning a blind eye to it. But huh. yeah, it's interesting, Jessica, like to what you just said about when you think about what you yourself experienced when you were growing up, you look at your child and you're like, oh gosh, I hope that's not what they're feeling or going through. Sometimes I think we superimpose our own past feelings or anxieties a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about other like red flags? And we talked a little bit about relationships before we got online. What, what kinds of red flags do you guys, or what do you think about when you hear the word red flags? Ooh. Uh, I mean, I can think of, <laughs> I have a, um, a friend that, um, uh, was in a relationship for a long time um, and w- it was a very good friend of mine that I saw often um, and I didn't meet her significant other for a long time like two years or something oh, wow. and I felt like that was weird I was I don't know I'm like I you know if you you like them so much right like you've you've mm-hmm. been you've been with them for two years and you know, you're, you're a very good friend. Like we were pretty close and um, she, I'm like, why aren't you break? Cause sometimes my husband would come, you know, like, and we would suggest a double date and there was always just like some reason why um, he wasn't able to come. Um, and then it, a couple years later, then it, it came out of the woodwork that like he was abusive and um I just like I felt bad for not saying something like I don't know I didn't want to like insult her or sound to or like offend her by saying like hey why aren't (laughs) what's going on behind closed doors and I wish I would have because it didn't feel right and I but I just like I didn't want to like offend her and I wish I would have just like risked offending her instead of Mm -hmm. um, not saying anything we've all learned in one way or another whether like that things do happen to people that we know but I think that's still just something that's in all of our minds is like oh no like that that couldn't be happening you know whether it's to to me or someone that I know like oh no like it 
it's got to be fine. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I feel like I'd be in the same boat where it's like, yeah, that's kind of weird. But like, no, nothing can't be happening. You know, I don't know. I, I don't think like I would jump to that either. I think that's the epitome of red flags. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, something's not right. Like something yes. feel right. Something feels off. And it's just being intuitive to that and just like listening to that feeling almost. And, and and I don't know how you would have addressed that in that specific scenario, Ashley, but I think, yeah, I mean, if you definitely felt like, hmm, this is just really weird. Yeah. I mean, I think if like you're trying to talk yourself out of it, then that's probably a cardinal sign of a red flag. And, you know, I actually was talking to a good friend not that long ago and she was, um, she had just addressed something with somebody that she knew about whether um, uh, like, I don't want to give too much detail, but like um, whether something was okay, like some form of contact between her and another person was okay. And she said, um, if you're ever questioning whether something is okay, it's probably not. Yeah. And I thought that was like, I, I was like really caught off guard by that. Cause I was like, that's true. Like if you're, if you're questioning it because it doesn't feel right, then like, it's probably not right. That's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that applies to all aspects of red flags, relationships, personal red flags, children, anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Trust that gut feeling. What's that nerve down? Is it our, oh my gosh, there's a nerve that runs from our brain to like in the middle, basically of our, like our torso. And that is why, like when people say like, oh, I had that gut feeling. It's because we do, we have a nerve that runs from our brain and down into like the, is it the vagus nerve. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking that I was. Yes. That is why. So that is why when we have those gut feelings, it is truly because we do have a nerve and, and listen to that because it is a real thing. Yeah. You know, I, in my grad school paper that I'm actually working on right now, I was reading an Mm -hmm. article and it was about, um, a nursing instructor that's like teaching nursing students. Um, and they were talking about when something doesn't feel right. Like you get an order from a doctor that just doesn't, something just seems like off with it, like a medication dosage or something and how, um, how you should never override your intuition and it doesn't mean that you're it doesn't mean that like if you feel like something's not right in the nursing field and then you check into it that it's definitely not going to be right but that you're like doing yourself or your patient a disservice by not following up on your intuition Mm -hmm. because like if your intuition is there for a reason to like alert you of something like red flags you know and um how you should never like override it because some higher authority told you something you know yes red flags and vagus nerves that's what yes that's what we got out of this i think it's great a great topic for sure i know that there's just like lots of places that you could identify red flags so be on the lookout and then don't just let them keep popping up in your life because I definitely think that one can affect another area of your life for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Good to hear you guys. Yeah. I'm glad that I felt well enough to jump on today. <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> Great to have you back. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the heart and home podcast. Find us on Instagram and Facebook and share with a friend to help us grow our community.